Hello, everyone, and welcome to Define. Today, I am so happy to introduce Christy Gardner. She and I met a while ago, and we got to know each other a lot better at her writer's retreat, which, as a raving fan, you need to be a part of if you even think you might want to write a book. Uh, She's fantastic, and I'm so happy she agreed to be on. She's a published author. She has her own show. She's been interviewed by lots of different people. She's just incredibly talented. So thank you, Christy, for being on. Kaylee, I'm so excited to be here and I'm so thankful you would think of inviting me. And I love this podcast. I love what you're doing with it. You're bringing so much light and goodness to the world. Thank you so much. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Like I mentioned published author, but share a little more on that and just what makes you you. Yeah. I like to say that I do a lot of things a little bit well. So I am an author of five books, and my first book was called You Are the Mother Your Children Need, and my award-winning book that recently won the Best in State Award here in the state of Utah is called Holy As You Are. So I just love writing. I love performing when I'm not writing. I'm at the theater performing. I have a husband and three kids and a very naughty golden doodle. (laughs) So that is a little bit about me. Thank you for sharing that. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know, in my last one, I actually asked for a certain trait. So I thought it was hilarious. And me and Christy were doing our rundown before I pushed record. And she's going to be talking a little bit about what I've been hoping would come up soon. I'm going to let Christy dive right into her story and we'll get right into that. All right. Thanks, Kaylee, so much. So I remember the first time that I felt seen. I was about 12 years old, and I grew up in an urban area. I grew up in downtown Salt Lake City, and I had a mom who was a single mother, and she worked, and my brother and I spent a lot of time alone. And along came this woman who was assigned to be a youth leader in my church. And she saw a need. She saw that I was taking care of my brother a lot. And she decided that I needed to go on weekly walks with her. And she made me feel important. She said it was that she needed help walking her dog. But really, I recognized that it was she recognized I needed to be seen. So she arranged for childcare for my brother, and once a week we would go on a walk. And she would be quiet and let me talk. But the way that she looked into my eyes and the way she listened to what I was saying, I truly felt seen and known. And from that time onward, I've really felt like My life's work is to see people and to know them. And the prolific writer and sociologist and social researcher, Brene Brown, says that one of the most important things that can happen between two people is when they look at each other and they're able to say, me too. And you can do that when you see someone else. I also think that when we see other people and we when we allow ourselves to be seen, we tear down the walls that we put up that make us different. We tear down the walls of gender. We tear down the walls of religion. We tear down the walls of politics. And suddenly it's just two people being seen. And so my life's work is to help other people through my written word to be able to feel seen so that they can show up in the world. But it isn't a work that 
came super easily to me. As we can all sympathize with, we don't just become the people that we're meant to be just by existing. We have to become them. And to become them, unfortunately, we have to go through a lot of trials and a lot of tribulation and a lot of stress. And then we get to show up in these moments and choose whether or not we want to become. So on my way to becoming a person who saw other people, a person who had compassion, because really when we see other people and when you can truly look into someone's eyes and see them as a human being, what you're experiencing is compassion. That's the attribute. That's the trait that you're gaining. So along my way to being able to develop this trait, I had developed some pretty uh, yucky traits, and one of them was perfectionism. And I think that as women and men, we can relate to this idea that we have to be a certain thing, and we have to look a certain way, and we have to do things exactly right in order to be worthy to be in this world, in order to be worthy to show up in the places we want to show up, we need to be quote-unquote perfect. And so we're constantly hustling for this. So when I got married, I thought that what it meant to be perfect and to be this great mother and a great wife was that I took every piece of myself And I put it all away. I shoved it all away, put it in metaphorical boxes and put it on the shelf for maybe someday I'll pull these things back out. And the pieces of me that truly made me, me, the writing, the performing, the maybe thinking differently than the people around me, I put all of that away and I thought, now I will be perfect. So for 12 years, I strove and failed to be perfect because perfection is such a lie and doesn't exist. Uh, But man, I was hustling for that perfection. My children wore the perfect clothes. They didn't get dirty. We had dinner on the table at five and I fell into bed each night, totally exhausted and completely unable to show up in my life's work. Because the idea that I want to present to your audience is that if we can't allow ourselves to be who we truly are, if we can't allow ourselves to be imperfect, if we can't allow ourselves to do the things we love to do and show up in the ways that we love to show up, can we truly see another person? And can we truly have compassion for someone else if that compassion is not extended toward ourselves? So that's the question I pose as I tell this story. I strove for 12 years to be this person and ended up in a situation where I had these two kids. I had this third pregnancy and I had gone through a really, really difficult time with this pregnancy. And as I was delivering this baby via C-section, I started uh, bleeding out and the doctors got very scared and there was a 45 minute period where things were really touch and go and they didn't know if they would be able to save me. And it was an incredibly traumatic experience. But when I came out of that experience, something had happened and something had profoundly shifted in my mind where I recognized that either I could go forward in the life that I had created of this false perfection where everything on the outside looked so great, but I was an empty shell of myself, or I could 
choose to get vulnerable and get brave and show up and allow myself to be seen. And so it was very difficult, but I decided that that is the way that I was going to go. I was going to allow myself to be seen. And when I started taking the steps toward that, which included going back to theater and trying to audition for plays and failing and and trying to write again and maybe admitting that I don't think in the same ways that the people around me think. And it's it was all very vulnerable. But what I saw happen is that as I allowed myself to be myself, as I allowed myself to step into this, I began to have my eyes opened to other people. And instead of looking at other people through the lens of what are these people thinking about me? What are they thinking about the way that I do things? I began to see them as human beings. And I noticed that as this happened, people around me began to be more real around me. And I recognized that my brave efforts to show up and to allow myself to be seen were allowing other people to be brave and to show up and be seen for who they truly were. Just giving them permission. Exactly, exactly. And could I have done that if I didn't extend compassion toward myself? And I don't think that I could. So as I moved forward in that path, I was able to take on this work of allowing myself to be vulnerable and allowing failure and allowing scary things to happen so that I can be myself so that others around me can feel comfortable to be themselves. What was the hardest roadblock to you being able to see yourself? I think it was the idea that will I belong if I'm truly seen? Hmm. If I allow myself to be seen, will I belong because I'd done a really good job at fitting in and being a chameleon of sorts and allowing myself to uh, fit in with whatever group I was with. But it's almost as if the person that I was, I didn't even know who it was because I had changed myself so much for what other people thought. So I think the biggest roadblock was recognizing that stepping into who I truly was, was going to come with some negative pushback from those around me, even those the closest to me in my life. And would I be okay? And would I belong anywhere if I allowed myself to be me? Were you surprised by the feedback once you kind of gave yourself permission to be yourself? Were you surprised by the feedback from the people closest to you? Absolutely. I think it's really important to note that when we step into hard paths and when we allow ourselves to be seen, it isn't this easy Pollyanna road of smiles and sunshine and rainbow and lollipops. It is difficult. There will be pushback. And people, in essence, don't know what to expect from you because they've been around you and you've changed yourself to be what you think they want you to be. So suddenly when you show up in who you are, there is a lot of pushback, but it is worth it in the end. It's worth it to push through those difficult conversations. It's worth it to lose friends. It's worth it to maybe not fit in as closely with certain groups as you may have before in order to truly belong. And the interesting thing that I think happens when you engage in this work is that you go from having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fake friends, fake people around you, and you being fake, 
to being real with a core group of people who really matter. And those that truly matter and those that are here to help you accomplish your life's work and who you are here to help them accomplish their life's work, they will work through it with you and everything else will just fall away. What would you say to someone who's trying to get started with, okay, I'm not happy with what I've created myself to be because it's not who I am. How would you recommend getting started for someone who has that realization, but it's like, now what? Yeah. So the first thing I would suggest you do is stand in front of a mirror and it sounds so simple, but it's one of the most vulnerable things I've ever had to do and stand in front of a mirror and be like truly honest with who you are. See into your own eyes and see what you can see into your own soul And then get out a notebook. Now, this is the writer in me coming out. This is the writing coach in me coming out. But get out a notebook and journal what you see in that mirror. And pay attention to the small thoughts that come to you. Pay attention. That is your soul speaking. That is that soul within you who knows exactly who you want to become. It's no secret to your own heart and soul who you want to be. It's no secret where you want to go in this world. Uh, But we like to put up these filters because it's really scary to step into it. So strip away all of that. Get really clear with what you want next, with who you are and with the work that you were meant to do. And I love thinking about it through the lens of with me showing up in this world as I am, what will that do for the world? So think of it as you are a vessel to help other people to reach their potential. And so in order to do that, you have to hit your potential. And so really get clear on what your desires are, not just for yourself, but how can you bless others with your light and with your goodness and with your talents and your abilities. And once you're really clear on that, you need to take a step forward. So for me, what that looked like was recognizing that I loved theater and I had not done a show. I had not stepped foot on a stage. I had been teaching theater, but I hadn't stepped foot on a stage for 12, maybe 14 years at that point. Yes, 14. I hadn't stepped on the stage in 14 years. So recognizing that here I am now a mother of three and I want to go back to the theater, that's kind of crazy. And I had to be willing to do it badly. Sometimes I think we want to show up in perfection and so we don't, but we're just going to get rid of the the lie of perfection and recognize that to have compassion for oneself and others, perfection has to go. So get rid of that perfection and take an imperfect step forward. So what I did was I auditioned for a play and I did a terrible job. (laughs) This audition ended up with me in my car, snot running down my face, me sobbing hysterical sobs with like my my post baby belly in spandex pants having just come from a dance audition where I failed and letting those cries come but then recognizing, you know what? I showed up anyway. And I did get cast in that play and I was in the very smallest part in the ensemble and I couldn't imagine having more joy than I had. And I just kept showing up and kept showing up to the point where I was back into the roles I wanted to be in. And in, in, in doing so, not only did that help me to be the person I was, but 
I, I am much more able to help my children step into who they are, help the women around me and those who I coach step into who they are because I've done that hard work and I did fail and I know I fell on my rear and I know I was humiliated and, and I still lived through it. So I guess my thing would be figure out who it is that you want to be, what you want to do and be willing to take that first step forward, even if it means you're going to fall. Thank you. When did you start shifting from having to kind of re-see and rediscover and reestablish who you were? When did that start shifting into seeing others? Like yeah. was, when did it kind of shift gears a little bit? Because you're still seeing yourself. That's not stopping. Right. When did when were you able to kind of, okay, I've done this. Now I can move more to this. Right. It was a definite shift. And I love that question. I love thinking about that shift and what it was was as I stepped into who I was and as I had compassion and recognized that the person I was was worthy to be seen as she was imperfectly, I started connecting with other people really organically. And I could see other women and not necessarily just women who wanted to do theater or women who wanted to write, but I could see my neighbors and I could see people who wanted to take a step forward, but didn't know how. And it's just like when you tell people about your favorite restaurant or your favorite cleaning supply, or you've used a new lipstick and you're like, this is the best ever. I want to share it. I had been through this experience and it was the best ever. And yes, it was hard, but it was the best. And I wanted to share it. So I started talking to people about what they wanted to do. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because when we are in perfectionism, we are very self-focused. It's a very, I won't say selfish place uh, because it it comes with a lot of pain and not a desire for gain, but self-focused. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about what other people think of you. It's self, self, self. But once you actually embrace yourself and throw your arms around her, suddenly you're not thinking about yourself anymore. And what you're thinking about is other people and how they're experiencing the world. And that's what began to happen. And that's where I wrote my first book, right in this phase of my life where this was happening. And it is called, You Are the Mother Your Children Need. And in that book, I started by saying, I see you. I see you because I am you. I have compassion because I've been where you are. And the book that they told me would sell just a few copies was this crazy bestseller. And they had no idea what it was and and why it was selling so much. And what I think it was is that people want to be seen. People want to be known. People want others to have compassion for them. And the book talked about how to do that. So I would be at book signings after... um, I wrote this book and women wanted to come up and talk to me, but they didn't want to talk to me about my book, which was actually totally fine with me. I didn't want to talk about my either book either, to be honest. Uh, they wanted to tell me their stories. And so many of them wanted to tell me about what their hopes and their dreams were and their aspirations. And that lit me on fire. I was so excited because I felt like I had this little piece of information and and in telling them, look, the first thing you need is to love yourself. And then I, I got to share that with everybody else. And so that's where it turned into that. And I'm just so grateful for it. And that doesn't mean that I don't slip into those self-focused places 
Uh, we all do. Life is not a destination. Once you've learned a lesson, you haven't arrived there at the lesson. You have to keep going back and relearning and relearning. So I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it because I've let go of perfectionism. But for a majority of my life, I do get to spend it seeing other people and having great compassion for them. And that is um, just the best thing of my life. I love it. Was there a moment that you saw someone else that still just kind of comes to mind? Like when you think of seeing someone else, is there a moment where you saw someone that still just epitomizes what you were trying to do? Yeah. So, um, the, it's actually happened quite a lot and I do set an intention by the way, every morning for this, I, I don't think anything that we want to develop in our lives. If we're trying to develop self-compassion, I don't, or compassion for other people. I don't think that's something that will just arrive. We have to choose. We have to be agents of our own lives. We have to intentionally set forward in the direction we want to go. So if I'm trying to cultivate compassion and this ability to see other people, which is what I am trying to do, it's my life's work. Every morning I have to set the intention please. And if prayer or if a spiritual component is part of your practice, it is for me, I find it very helpful to include in this intention setting, but I just ask God, I ask the universe to be with me, to show me people who need to be seen and to uh, look over all of my imperfections so that I can be capable to, to be an instrument in helping other people to be seen and in feeling compassion for others. So uh, that's how I start. But in answer to your question, uh, I'll share one of those moments. And I was at a book signing and a woman came in and she, it's very funny at book signings, nobody really wants to talk to you. And so you see them, they come in and they make eye contact and then they quickly shift their gaze away and they go out of their way to not come around to your table. And that, and that's perfectly fine. And you're sweating buckets anyway, because your whole life's work is right in front of you and nobody wants to look at you. So it's really great. Anyhow, so this woman made the eye contact, shifts her focus away, and I can tell she just does not want to talk to me. But something uh, about her drew me to her. Something about who she was, her presence. I, I just couldn't look away. So I watched her, and she quickly did what she needed to do. And she she was going to leave the store. And then I got sidetracked talking to some other people. And when I was done talking to those people, I saw that she was there again. And she this time she was coming toward me. And she was talking about my book. And she, she was kind of looking at my book. But I looked at her and I knew she had something to offer the world. I knew that she had a story that needed to be shared. And a lot of times women share with me that they have a story in their heart that they want to get out into the world. And I've been really blessed to step into a place where I can help women to get their stories into the world. And so something about this woman, I just knew she had a story to share. And as we got to talking and as I looked into her eyes, she she started getting emotional and she shared with me um, an experience that she'd had that was extremely traumatic And for whatever reason, I had experienced similar things and I was able to, to really look into her beautiful, 
wet with tears eyes and say to her, look, me too. And you can write that book and you can tell that story and you can take the very worst that life has thrown at you and make it into something beautiful that will change the world for other people. And I've just, that moment stands out to me as a moment that I clearly saw through to her soul and was blessed to be able to be a witness to the beauty of that soul. And I'm really lucky that I've been able to watch her. And it's been a couple of years now as she's stepped into this place of wanting to write this book and, and getting brave enough to write it and being strong and beautiful and using hard things to help other people in their lives. It's just been such a blessing of my life. Thank you for sharing that. When you mentioned setting intention, at the beginning of the day. And I know probably depending on the situation, sometimes those experiences can be rejuvenating and sometimes they can be very draining. So what do you recommend to someone who's constantly, and you you should know this with setting intention, everything when, when it's a goal to see others, which I think everyone should have to some degree, how do you make sure that you don't get drained by it? Like how do you replenish yourself or or revitalize yourself to continue down that path? Because sometimes it's hard. We have a, there are a lot of people with amazing stories and sometimes they just gut you because of what they've gone through. Right. Right. So how do you make sure that you have the right energy to bring to those experiences consistently? Yeah. I think it's a matter of putting up boundaries and recognizing what you are and what you are not. I am very clear that having compassion for someone doesn't mean that I save them that or that they need saving by me. Their work is their work. My work is to show up and see them, not to save them, not to change them, not to help them in being saved. I am not a God. I am not... a a Jesus figure that is their work with their savior, with their own belief system. That is not my work. So really keeping careful boundaries and recognizing that our job isn't to save people. It's to see people. And I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I feel seen, I feel capable. I don't need somebody else to save me. I just need them to see me because in seeing me, I know that I'm not alone. And if I know that I'm not alone, I can do anything. I can save my own self. I don't need somebody else to come along and save me. So I think first it's putting up boundaries. The other thing is it is a little bit draining to step into um, someone's pain and to to be a witness to pain or or to be a witness to joy or to be a, a witness to other people and to see their souls, that is draining. And so making sure that you have good self-care is very important. Making sure that your well is full so that you are capable of pouring into other people. So when you need to take a step back, take a step back. When you need a rest, make sure that you're getting a rest. The other thing is when I feel drained by the work of compassion, often it's because I'm not exercising compassion toward myself. When I am feeling compassionate toward myself, when I am allowing myself to be imperfect without self-flogging and without self-defeating behavior, when I am stepping into my own power, I'm not drained by the work of trying to see others. But when I'm depleted, when I'm self-flogging, 
it, it makes trying to see another person incredibly difficult and draining. No, that makes sense. And I like how you said that your role is to see, not to save. Right. No, I love that. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention or feel like you want to talk about that we didn't have a chance to address earlier? Yeah. I think that people need to recognize that you are worthy to be seen just because you exist. You are worthy to experience compassion from others and for others simply because you exist. It is not something that you have to earn. Your value is set. You don't have to go hustle to be seen. You don't have to get the best part in the play. You don't have to write the bestseller. You don't have to have the most downloaded podcast to be worthy to be seen. You're worthy to be seen just as you are. And that is my message that I've been trying to share with women for eight years now is this message of you are holy as you are. You are worthy as you are. You are the person that you are meant to be. This person with all of these gifts, talents, and abilities, the one that you hope to someday be, isn't something that you'll attain someday by hustle. It's something that you already are. And if you truly believe that you are the person you want to be, how do you show up differently? And I'll give you an example. If I wanted to be a great musician and I thought, someday I'll be a great musician, someday after I've practiced or after I've won an award or after this, I will be this great musician when I will show up differently than if I say, I am a musician. I am worthy to be seen in my imperfection. And the thing that will take us from A to B, the thing that will allow us to become, so I'm not saying stay stagnant and just, I am what I am. And so here I am. No, but growth comes not in a someday point after I've hustled enough. Growth comes in recognizing that everything you want to be is already within you. It's like Dorothy and her shoes. And when she clicks her heels and says, there's no place like home because she could always get there. She had the shoes with her the whole time. Everything you need to be the person that you want to be is already within you. You are that person. Thank you so much. And thanks again for letting me interview. Christy's amazing and she needs to talk about herself more. Honestly, I know she hates it, but go follow her on Facebook, go buy her books. I'll put in links to all of that on my accounts and then in the follow-up blog post. But seriously, Christy, thank you. Thank you for sharing your talents. Thank you for encouraging people to see others and honestly, just trying to help people see themselves. It's a hard thing. It's it's amazing how hard it is for so yeah. many. So I appreciate you sharing your life's work in this format. Oh. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for letting me come, Kaylee. And I see you. You're beautiful and glorious. You're the best. I love you. All right. So again, thanks for tuning in, guys. I love how this is developing so much. If you know someone that you want to hear their story or they have a trait that you want to develop, or just learn more about, please nominate nominate them on my site, kayleespeaks.com slash podcast, and have a great day.